Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Georgian trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall with my guys, Rowett and Mike. Talk some NBA draft. I'm excited about this conversation. What's yeah. good, fellas? How you guys doing? Hey, man, I'm doing good. Um, I mean, my team literally has like no picks in the draft with us, neither here or there. So, uh, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> No, but I mean, the Spurs draft, no, we're not going to start that up again. <laughs> no, I'm doing well as well. I think probably one of the most hectic weeks we've ever seen from an NBA transaction movement. I think free agency started on Monday. We've got the draft uh, Wednesday, and maybe I've already got the dates confused because it's just kind of been that week. But anyway, I'm looking forward to talking with you guys around what we're seeing, and hopefully there's more trades on the table. Yeah, it's my yeah. favorite part. I like the trades. Yeah, <laughs> yeah same here. It's uh, it, it's it's definitely been hectic, and I feel like there's a lot of reason to believe that it's going to continue. So, um, but before we get into all that, uh, what are you guys rocking? What are you guys copping lately? Yeah, man. Uh, what I'm rocking today when I went to the grocery store was my mastermind times adidas eqt uh support ultras which i think may be my new favorite just everyday shoe um what i'm copping man i got a couple things on the radar i kind of like i'll kind of keep them a surprise if i can get them all pulled together for a new uh a new sneaker head on a budget video so just know keep a lookout i don't want to ruin the surprise right now but i think i might have some pretty cool deals on the table Oh, that's fantastic. I'm looking forward to watching that on YouTube, Mike. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, what I rocked today was I was actually a Nike intern in 2007. And part of our going away gift was a free pair of Nike IDs. So I actually took a pair of Dunk Lows and converted them into what I called the Ninja Turtle colorway. So I had a nice. green body and then I had red laces to represent Raphael and orange tongue for Michelangelo. Uh, blue midliner, I think, for Leonardo. And I think the secondary set of laces were purple for Donatello. And then what I'm copying, hopefully, will be a pair of uh, dunk ceramics for our fourth member of the team, Robbie, size 12. And if you're not copying those, <laughs> that's just uh, doing our boy solid and getting a size 12, hopefully, in your raffle ticket. Yep. Cool. Um, yeah, so today I rocked a... Sneakers and stuff, uh, Reebok collab from, I don't remember when it came out a while back. Um, it's a DMX run 10, Ooh. It's, uh, like a, a fully reflective 3M upper. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, if you haven't worn like 
like the original DMX cushioning, it's it's super comfortable. So I know I know that it's a bit different now, but it's still pretty solid. And the DMX Run 10 was kind of like a chunky, like almost like if you take a, the feel of an Allen Iverson shoe and cut it down into a runner, that's what it was. So um, I think sneakers and stuff did a really good job with that particular shoe and one of my favorites. And I, I'm happy to be able to dig it out and, and find some stuff <laughs> now that I'm in, in a new space. So, And then as far as what I'm looking to cop, I'm not looking for anything myself, but I'm definitely uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm putting my, my, uh, throwing my name in for the size 12s for Robbie as well. So, um, he might end up with a whole stack of them this time. <laughs> yeah. I, I want Robbie to have a whole size run and just throw them out of his trunk of his car or the uh, overcoat. Roll around in Oregon, just slinging dunks to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into, uh, the draft talk, going to read a review this one comes from uh k slush four five star review says shoe game and combos on point if you're a fan of sneakers and good conversations and some minor history lessons this is it awesome podcast so shout out to k slush four for the review if you got a moment head over to itunes slash apple Podcasts and uh just shoot us a review good bad indifferent just the feedback is what we're looking for it helps us grow the podcast get some get in front of some new people and grow the community here at sneaker history so uh that said the community in the discord from our patreon is a very solid group and the secret santa that's uh that's going on or or in the works is uh is impressive to say the least so if you uh if you haven't head over to patreon.com slash sneaker history and join and you'll get access to the discord it is fantastic. Like this so well organized from, from a group of, you know, sneakerheads and where our attention spans are like, Ooh, something new. I'm pretty impressed how, how well organized this is so far. No, I think to your point as well, it's the sneakerheads. We may be short circuited in terms of the attention span, but we always have that eye for detail. And I mm-hmm. think we're always there to kind of profess our love for things. So it's a really awesome gesture and I hope more people get involved and I'm excited to see what happens and what comes out of that because Half the fun of a secret Santa is just trying to understand what can I get this person that I may never have met before, but hopefully I'll have a bond with going forward. So word. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Well said. Um, so I don't know. How, how do you guys want to want to go at this whole draft thing? Right. It's uh, there's just so much going on. And and I feel like normally we talk before the episodes and we, you know, get get a little catching up in. I feel like Ro, it's been sitting there silent because he's just got flames ready for oh, yeah. this episode. He's just been- no, 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 no. This is definitely going to be a Steve Nash type podcast where I'm just going to set you guys up for oops. And I may have a crafty layup in me, but it's really about the team because there's no I in team. There is a me, but that's after you scramble defenses. And that's what we're looking to do right now. <laughs> Oh man. So, I mean, I don't want to start, I don't want to start with, with, uh, the stuff I want to talk about. So let's just run through maybe the top 10, let's, let's say top 12 sure. for obvious reasons. Um, and then we'll jump back into kind of some of the conversations, but we got the Timberwolves taking Anthony Edwards at number one. We got the Warriors taking James Wiseman at number two. We got LaMelo Ball going to the Hornets at three, Patrick Williams going to the Bulls at four, 
Isaac Okoro going to the Cavs at five. I can't spell uh, or I can't pronounce Onyeka. 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 Yeah, you have it. Yeah. Going to the Hawks. That's awesome. Uh, Killian Hayes going to the Pistons at seven. Obi Toppin going to the Knicks at eight. Denny Advija. Avdia. Avdia going to the Wizards at nine. Jalen Smith to the Suns at 10. Devin Vassell going to the Spurs at 11. And Tyrese Halliburton going to the Kings at 12. I don't even I don't, I don't understand how like so I haven't paid attention to college basketball. Most of us haven't been able to watch college basketball, right? So mm-hmm. to have as much or I should say as little insight as we all probably have into this, there's only a handful of names that I'm familiar with. And I take, you know, LaMelo Ball out of that completely because he's kind of an anomaly in terms of if you're in his sneakers, you can't not hear about him constantly but Tyrese Halliburton was one of the few guys that I actually was fairly familiar with seen you know like seen highlights of at least um before this week and I thought he was going to go way higher and he ended up going to the Kings at 12 I don't get it I'm like still kind of dumbfounded by it (laughs) you're like yes what a steal I mean it's yeah it's just really that's this would this I would expect this draft to be the most unpredictable of many of the m- most recent years, right? But mm-hmm. something like that, where almost everything other than maybe Patrick Williams going at four, mm-hmm. and the Knicks taking Obi Toppin, because I thought everyone said that that Halliburton was going to go to the Knicks at eight. So mm-hmm. um, I'm just kind of dumbfounded that 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 all worked out and. Aside from the fact that, you know, there's obvious questions about the Kings roster right now because of all the the, the trades falling through and, and the uh, rumor of Buddy Heald not responding to text messages from the coaching staff at this point. So oh, we've got a we've got a lot of stuff to work out, but <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to see. Uh, I think Tyrese Halberton, Ty Halberton is a. He, he, he reminds me of. Although, like almost everybody has said, to, he he just seems like he's he's another De'Aaron Fox, but he actually reminds me, and I think it's because his jump shot is a little bit funky. He actually mm-hmm. reminds me of Kevin Martin because Kevin really? Martin had that, just that slightly off jump shot, right? I mean, yeah. he's a great shooter. Both of them seem to be great shooters, but like they both have that little quirk, that little like that doesn't seem normal, you know, um, with the jump shot. So I don't know, kind of interesting, kind of interesting. I think a lot of the the draft choices we've seen have been pretty – like you said, there, had, there wasn't anything like really big like, oh, I didn't see this happening. I think because of the – I guess the really volatile free free agency that's going on right now, I, they just don't know what they need and don't need a lot of teams. I mean clearly the f- top three, you know, they're like, okay, great. We can have these supplemental players. Um to fill in, you know, blanks. I mean, of course, the Hornets needed a uh, Hornets needed a point guard because, um, oh my God, what was the what was his name? I cannot remember his name from the Scary Celtics. Terry Rozier? Yeah, Terry Rozier. Yeah, he just wasn't, you know, wasn't producing like they thought he would. So, I mean, that clearly they needed that. But I feel like everybody else is kind of like, okay, we're gonna play it safe. We're not gonna make too many crazy moves. Only the first trade you saw was at sixteen, where. Um, 
Isaiah Stewart was traded to the Pistons after being dealt to the Rockets first. So everyone's just kind of holding until they can figure out what their actual contractor players are doing, seems like. Yeah, it seems like a game of chess where everybody is just moving pawns and you are inevitably waiting for that first move where that first capture happens and then all you see is a bloodbath. And I think right now it's a lot of table setting. We're making sure the forks are right next to the knives, which are right next to the plate and making sure your salad fork is close. I will say this. Podcasting is an audio medium. I can't see either one of you guys. Is that fair to say? But I have never sat a scene and heard Nick sound so happy. (laughs) You're literally radiating through the podcasting speakers. And I hope the audience at home can also just bask in this moment. But to your point about uncertainty, who would have thought that the Sacramento Kings, a franchise that we've kind of aligned fairly for being out there, took the best player available to them. And you know what? It strengthens a strength. And I'm always a fan of that because a lot of drafting comes down to, do we take the best player available or do we fulfill a team need? Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how Halliburton plays with Fox. And I do think their skill set complement one another in the sense that De'Aaron Fox is go, 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 go. Halliburton seems to be a change of pace. And if we're going to use old player comparisons, I really like this as Andre Miller with a better shooting range. This guy just seems to fundamentally get it. He's a basketball player. He has a good feel for the game. He makes sure he can not only beat you with his body, but more importantly, he can beat you with a head. And I think he is going to continue that tradition of intriguing point guards that inevitably always come out of Sacramento or have a pit stop in Sacramento, whether it's Jason Mm -hmm. Williams, Mike Bibby. In this case, I'm interested to see how Halliburton does, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top three rookie of the year vote getter and possibly a first team All NBA rookie. Yeah, and I feel like they're going to take Halliburton. Looking at, I'm comparing. I know he's not much of a difference in size, but he's about two inches taller than De'Aaron Fox. I feel like mm-hmm. he's going to end up being like a hybrid shooting guard, point guard, just kind of how they ran that. Uh, you know, kind of. Hopefully, they don't do it like this, but the Harden Westbrook tandem because they both technically were point guards. But you kind of had them play different roles in that position. So I think they might try to run that that same two-guard or two-point guard method, but just play with a more um, – hopefully Tyrese Halliburton has more of a, a jump shot than Westbrook does. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm overly optimistic about it. The Kings always have turmoil, right? Like there's always – unnecessary drama whether it's demarcus cousins or you know like chris weber during his years i mean like all the way back you know even like the bibby and jason williams stuff i mean there's just always been challenges in keeping people happy in sacramento because it is a relatively small market when you're looking around this country and seeing all these players that you know, might might get bigger endorsement deals, might get more opportunities to to do things off the court. But I think that the interesting thing to me about, you know, the potential pairing of the two, although like I think you're right, like Halliburton is a a a much more controlled pace than De'Aaron Fox at times. Um I th- I think that I think that if if you know if everything works out well and they feed off of each other then I'd love to see Halliburton speed it up a notch and I'd love to see 
as much as I love to see De'Aaron just running like crazy down the court, I think like, you know, the the longer he's been in the league, the more self-control he's had and the more strategic he's been about those, you know, short bursts of, of speed. And I think that's the beauty of, of what could potentially happen. Now, I'm still a realist when it comes to Kings basketball. So <laughs> I, you know, I'm probably going to go to bed tonight, assuming that all of this will be traded away in the morning. But, you know, at least for the next few hours before I go to sleep, I'll feel pretty good about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Spoken okay. like a true fan. Spoken like a true fan. But it's a realist fan. He like he knows what could happen. And that's what, uh, that's why I respect his fandom. It's like, you know what? I know you guys can make this all just a living hell for me tomorrow, but I appreciate what you did for the first five minutes of this. For sure. Who do we want to look at next? Because I'm kind of favoring James Weissman because I think the mm-hmm. Warriors, even when they're not good, they seem to be the most fascinating team. Yeah, yeah. for cool. sure. Yep. Let's do it. So they ended up picking James Weissman, the much hyped he had three career, a three game career having Blue Tiger out of Memphis. He is everything we expect our modern day big man to be. He's a rim runner. He's athletic, but he's got a deft shooting touch that I think will only be harnessed in Golden State. The thing that's really interesting to me is the fact that I don't know if you guys had heard, but Clay Thompson apparently had a very debilitating leg injury right before I'd say 90 minutes before the draft. Mm-hmm. And no one's sure what exactly it is, but it's pretty serious. Early words are that it's heel or Achilles base and we don't want to misreport anything. But if that's a setback for them, I'm wondering, is that a reason why they maybe kept this pick? Yeah, uh, that's one of the things I was going to bring up as well, because I was wondering what happened. And, and it's a different leg. It's not the same leg he tore his ACL on. It's the right leg. And um, also brings up, looks like they're not going to be, at least I haven't heard anything yet, not going to be bringing back Boogie Cousins because they filled that center position with James Wiseman. So they kind of either A, they have Boogie off the bench or, you know, they're moving on from him. But I just hadn't heard you know, what's going to happen there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really. Uh, well, Boogie, Boogie signed. So Boogie signed with the Lakers, but then got hurt and then got released. Right. So he's still. Correct. Oh, he was he with the was, Lakers. OK. I thought he was still hanging out with the uh, Warriors for some reason. No, but he's like he's also still, you know. Nobody, nobody really knows if he'll be back anytime mm-hmm. soon right like there's yeah. ju- it's all just kind of speculation because nobody's really seen him play but every everything points to him you know being fairly healthy by you know uh, i think by the first of the year is what i saw yeah but the, the rumor that i saw also saw and maybe this is just because i'm in the king circle but like people talking about him coming back to sacramento because all the people that he had beef with when he was here are no oh, longer God. with the team yeah, which is just super fascinating to me. But I think I think Roe, you're you're spot on, right? Like Wiseman is Wiseman is a is a like he's the quintessential big man. But I think that in the Warriors' offense, he's a big man that can shoot from outside better than most. And it wouldn't surprise me if he fits just perfectly into that entire organization and really gets to like hone in on skills that he was not expecting to, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. I think in, in college you play, you, you know, if you're seven foot or above, you play 
the center role in, in the most traditional ways. Right. And once you get to the league, it's like, well, you know, the, the Warriors are, are not almost never going to like, you know, center any kind of offense around, you know, a big man with all the three point shooting that they've had over the years. And I think that him being so lanky and, and long, it's just going to mean that their defense is going to lead to more fast breaks, more of those pull up threes, all of that stuff. So mm-hmm. I think the defensive thing is very interesting, especially in the fact that when we think of the Warriors, we think of the prolific out outside shooting. There are the Splash Brothers and they've always had somebody that can hit that mid range game where I think Wiseman is going to thrive is. He's running the break. You've got Clay. Hopefully, the injury isn't too severe. You've got Steph, so they're going to be dragging defenders out towards the perimeter with their gravity. He's got rim rim runs all day, every day. And I think the key with him, especially from an offensive perspective, is how much do they simplify the game for this player? Because as a rookie, I think there is such a transition coming in from that college game to the pro game, where you have to not only understand the playbook, but you also have to be able to read the defenses. And For me, I think with young players especially, give them a little, let them master it, then give them a little bit more. So if Golden State takes that approach of, hey, you know what, Wiseman, what we want you to focus on in the first six weeks of the season is just rim run, be active, be JaVale McGee, be Birdman Anderson, do that. And then once he gets confident in that, that's when we start looking at the fact that, okay, you know what, pop out for this 18-footer or handle the ball a little bit more. From a defensive end, the thing that strikes me most about him is this – article I read where they talk about the fact that in the NBA and defense specifically for big men, there's this concept of making sure your butt is down and you're sitting down. A lot of big men, when they're moving in the defensive rate, tend to be very stiff and rigid. Wiseman's got this staggering ability to have sit down on his defense, which means his knees are bent, his butt's down, his arms are wide. So he's creating a big angle and a big space and it allows him to close out four shooters on perimeter guys. And it's going to be fascinating to watch because I think that's where he's truly going to unlock something special. Like Nick had alluded to where that offense is so prolific when they're run and gun. And if you have somebody that can start that break via a defensive rebound or a defensive block, and then finish that out, it gives the warriors another wrinkle, which is probably the most, I would say vanilla wrinkle of their offense, but it's something that hasn't been there for them. So I think this team's only going to get better in terms of how they may regress in terms of what they do to achieve their baskets. And the other thing that's interesting about the Warriors, you know, we talked about smaller brands signing athletes mm-hmm. uh, on the last episode. And just before we started recording this, it was it came out that Andrew Wiggins signed with Peak, which I forgot that Andrew Wiggins was even playing for the Warriors, to be honest. But to have someone like that, that is also kind of one of those mid-range players, I mean, you could just see like the the offense is going to be super dynamic, right? And the Warriors are going to, I mean, they're going to get to choose to play however they want. And assuming Clay comes back, I feel like, you know, even at, let's say, 80%, they're still such a force to be reckoned with offensively and they all play great defensively other than maybe you know Steph being a little bit small for some other guards right but otherwise you you don't you're not really losing anything on the defensive end so it's almost like I don't know how but it's almost like the Warriors are like right back in the talks of like you know obviously the Lakers are going to be tough to beat with Anthony Davis and, and LeBron and company but yeah, I could see this being a really good fit. And to your point as well, Nick, 
the Lakers are the king right now in the NBA because they have that size. And this is me thinking that the Warriors have to acknowledge that size issue and they're trying to get as mobile of a big man as possible. Because if you have those Rudy Gobert types, while great defensive anchors, they get exposed when the game turns into selective run and gun or half pace. So I think this is as good of a defensive fit. And I'm understanding that if Draymond Green is there, and he kind of unlocks that defensive mentorship role that we want him to because he seems very intelligent, especially when he's breaking down the games on TNT. It's going to be a uh, match made in heaven. And yeah, if you can get anything out of Andrew Wiggins, because for me, if he can just do his best Harrison Barnes impression, the Warriors are set. And like I said, this is all going to be contingent on Clay coming back, hopefully sooner rather than later. But even if this is a minor leg injury, I think it's okay sitting him down because... As we've seen now, this NBA schedule that's coming up is almost divided into two parts because they are going to have an all-star game. And I'm wondering, is that going to be just something along the lines of, are they going to coast? And then once the post-all-star game break hits, that's when we kind of expect the Warriors to shape back into postseason form. What are you thinking, Mike? Any observations you want to kind of put out there? Because I know, unfortunately, the Warriors have been the nemesis of your beloved Houston Rockets in recent years. Well, I mean, besides my team having our own just – issues internally um just thinking out you know we're talking about how mm-hmm. the lakers are king of the west i was going through i mean clearly they don't draft until what like number 28 something like that and they've only made one really one move and that was acquiring dennis schroeder and um and trading danny green so you can see that they're still you know schroeder can generate points himself he's decent defender um but I feel like they are preparing for the Warriors. Just kind of thinking about that, they're um, you know Rondo's getting older. He didn't opt back into his deal. Um, again, they got rid of Danny Green, who's a little older as well. But it looks like they're preparing for you know a rejuvenated Warriors team by getting another person who could score. It looks like they're they're trading. They they got rid of some of the the playmaking with Rondo and some of the you know hey that. Um, that just elbow jumper from Danny Green is somebody who could create, just, you know, take some of the load off LeBron and AD to make them focus more on other players. So really interested to see who they draft. I don't know if it'd be someone they can utilize right off the, uh, off the jump, but I just really am curious on how they're very quiet. They seem to be pretty happy with their core. They're going to probably sign Anthony Davis to a pretty substantial deal here within the next couple of days. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're gonna make any noise, you know, like during the free agency, but I feel like they're just really kind of bunkering down and just trying to keep this core together as much as possible, since they already won and have chemistry, and and try to be able to combat that Warriors team because I feel like they're not as worried about the Clippers, just more the the Warriors that they're trying to get there, trying to trying to get ready for, get their good muscle up for. The point you made about the Lakers and Warriors eyeing each other is going to be really interesting because as I'm doing that mental Rolodex of who's there in the West that as the Lakers I need to be aware of and more importantly I need to prep for, it is the Warriors because of the fact Mm -hmm. that they have this, their lack of making it to the playoffs has been their biggest strength because we don't know what a Warriors team looks like and that gives you the most fear if you're a team that's game planning against them. The Lakers have played the Nuggets. They know what their best mm-hmm. shot is. The Mavericks are going to be interesting because we finally get to see how Luka now handles year two of this coronation process finally crystallizing. And he is 
officially that next guy that we're all going to be looking at with bated breath saying, hey, can he live up to the hype and the prophecies that have been told about him? We will see. And I hope we get that seven game matchup in the Western Conference Finals. But the NBA is very good about making sure that matchup you want to see in the playoffs. We're never going to give you that, but we're going to give you something that's even better. You guys just don't know it yet because we (laughs) all wanted the Battle of Los Angeles this year. But playoff P uh, unfortunately struck again. And that's another team I'm wondering, how are they going to be looking, especially with the fact that a lot of these teams are getting better to your point? Dennis Schroeder is a great improvement for the Lakers in terms of he's young and he's agile and he's maybe the highest profiled rookie that they may have this year. But I don't see anything from the Clippers that lets me know that they might even make it to the second round this coming year. But we'll see. Nick, any thoughts on the Warriors before we transition somewhere else? No, but uh, I think I think uh, the Mavs are uh, an interesting conversation piece only because uh, the all all the reports on on Buddy Heald trying to get out of Sacramento at this point say he he wants to play with with Luca. So the Western Conference is just going to be insane. It is definitely the basketball equivalent of Red <laughs> Wedding every yeah, year. I guess I do have one one last thought on the Warriors. The thing that, like you said, it kind of gives the Warriors the advantage because nobody's really seen the team back together in quite some time. The one thing that you yep. know with the Warriors is that they have incredible leadership off the court, incredible leadership on the court, and incredibly talented guys, right? So regardless of how you how little you know of them or have seen of them, mm-hmm. you know they're gonna be a top tier team without question, right? So that's that's pretty that's a pretty intimidating thought to have, you know, if you're like you said, the Lakers looking, you know, keep keeping eyes on each other, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Yep, yep. Oh, and I forgot that they have Andrew Wiggins as well. I completely forgot he was there. So if they can get him in the right mental capacity, for sure, dude, that can be just. I completely forgot he was even there. It's that D'Angelo Russell trade, if I remember correctly, and mm-hmm. yep, because he's in uh, he is in Minnesota now. That's why they that's why they didn't take uh, Lamelo Ball number one because there's no point in them getting another point guard when D'Angelo's really coming into his own now. Perfect. Let's use this opportunity to transition into the Minnesota Timberwolves, who had the number one <laughs> overall pick, and they drafted shooting guard Anthony Edwards from Georgia because we're a professional organization that uses segways and we're in condom. So, <laughs> boom. boom. <laughs> Podcasting. I will say this. What's slightly worrisome to me about Anthony Edwards is the fact that a lot of the draft scouting reports that I was reading about him indicates that he's almost the new Andrew Wiggins, where he's got this unreal athleticism. He jumps out the gym. He's super explosive. But it's a question of how bad does he want it and a question of mm-hmm. how active is he? Because he seems to go through long stretches of games where he's just dormant or picking up a jumper here or there, or maybe going to the line one or two times. But in the NBA, there is quite the reputation one has if they're drafted number one overall. And I'm almost wondering that how does a number one overall rookie stand as the third option because on paper that seems like as ideal of a spot as you want coming into the league but there is that pressure there especially considering the fact that i think carl anthony towns while very skilled 
I don't know if he has that mentality that let's say a KG would, where he's going to rip your heart out from your chest and step on it and then possibly eat it and then step on it again because he's a badass. <laughs> and D'Angelo Russell is very moody to say the least. So I'm wondering what this spells because I don't see it. I think they should have bit the bullet and they should have taken the aforementioned James Weissman and just said, you know what, figure it out. Because in the NBA, more than any other league, talent wins out. And if you can mesh nicely and provide this unique blueprint on how to be a new unorthodox team that usually goes in your favor. But I don't know. What are you guys making of this Anthony Edwards pick? Um, I think it would have made more sense if they would have traded Carl Anthony Towns first, not because they play the same position by any means, but because you want someone there who can be a mentor for a rookie because you you said it, they between Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, I don't see a good mentor veteran player there to help Anthony Edwards. If he does have that, you know, that, that, you know, that stigma around him, that maybe how bad does he want it? Those aren't the two people you want to be around because they don't really seem to want it as, you know, bad either. Um, I, I think that a trade would have been better. Maybe they, I mean, it can still happen. We, we don't know yet. But like you said, everyone's just kind of putting the pieces together, setting the table for, you know, waiting for all hell to break loose when it comes to moving these pieces around. But I, they have to have something else planned because this is not going to be, you know, a, a good – a good showing he he won't really have the the floor to show what he can do in this situation i mean i mean you're gonna have ricky rubio there again uh we were discussing that before that he got traded back uh to that team but he's not a scorer so he's not gonna be able to carry that team i just think there's there's there has to be more to it but timberwolves wouldn't surprise me if they didn't do anything else because they're not the greatest run you know organization when it comes to their personnel I mean, I think that's like a really interesting, an interesting thought to have, right? I think you're 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 not alone in having that thought either, right? The Timberwolves have had you know struggles keeping people happy, both in uh, in coaching roles. You know, they've never been consistent as to who the team is being built around. You know, I mean, I, I, obviously, it seems like it's Carl Anthony Towns, but it just I don't know I have a lot of hesitancy in like even acknowledging that he's like worthy of being like a centerpiece of a team when you look around the league and it just seems like you're you're selling yourself short if that's the case and like I think Ricky Rubio is one of the best like leaders on court but I think there is some truth to what you were saying about just not having that like veteran you know I don't know, like you had KG for, you know, a year or whatever, a season so he could retire there. And he probably gave more input to those young guys than, you know, anybody else that's there. Plus, there seemed to be animosity between the younger guys and obviously uh, the, the coaching staff. And, you know, Derek Rose probably was a was. Uh, someone they could have looked up to, but then he's gone. Right. And then. I mean, it just it just seems like it's a constant mess. So I kind of I kind of am, am inclined to say the same thing that you said, Rowett. Like, why not just take, um, you know, Wiseman or I mean, I don't know. It's it seems odd too, right? Because if you take Anthony Edwards and you're and you're getting Rubio back, 
are you thinking that Rubio is going to groom Edwards to be the next point guard? Because Rubio's still got plenty of life in him, in my opinion. No, and you're talking to the other big Ricky Rubio fan on this podcast. I am still <laughs> kind of spin because I'm always a sucker for pass first point guards next to maybe cute Indian girls. They're my Achilles heel. So but that's, <laughs> get me fired from a future episode. So sorry, sneaker history HR. But I will say that veteran that you guys are talking about. Maybe it is Rubio because this is his second stint in Minnesota. He has been that great transitional leader in a sense that if I can make the cross sport comparison, he's a lot like Alex Smith. You kind of know what you're getting with Ricky Rubio. He's never going to get too high. He's never going to get too low. And he's going to usher in a team to a new level of respectability. And he did that in Utah. I made the argument that whatever Phoenix does this year it's because Rubio kind of helped set that foundation and Chris Paul, like a great leader is going to amplify that and make that better. Mm-hmm. My question is this, we know, let's say four of the starting five, how do you adjust that starting five? Right? Because in my mind, you've got Ricky Rubio as the point guard. You've got D'Angelo Russell, who's a tweener between the one and the two. Some nights he's a point guard. Some nights he's a shooting guard. You've got Edwards, who's a shooting guard and you've got Cat. And it's one of those things where I think Edwards is going to be the one that has to come off the bench because he's a rook if Minnesota is prioritizing winning games. Now, if Minnesota is prioritizing getting another lottery pick, then maybe Rubio is your sixth man off the bench. But there leaves a lot to be desired. And it goes back to this. Unfortunately, because Carl Anthony Towns has been deemed the franchise, all his Achilles heels get amplified and they become Minnesota's heels. So... I look at it this way. Carl Anthony Towns versus, let's say, Bam Adebayo. Towns is far more skilled on the offensive end. Give me Bam every day because he's a defender, he's a dog, he gets after it, and he holds people accountable. The one thing we also probably didn't mention earlier was the fact that the last time we saw any sort of tough love with this Minnesota team was with Jimmy Butler, and we all know how that ended. He basically won a game against the starters using only the scrubs and the uh, backups, and then masterminded a trade to go to Miami where he seemed to be as happy, or sorry, he masterminded a trade to go to Philly. He seemed a little bit happier in Philly than he did in Minnesota. And obviously he's the happiest boy in the world right now in Miami. So it's going to be another decade of purgatory for me where they're not going to do anything substantial, but I still think they've got a cool uh, logo. So there you go, Minnesota, you have the coolest logo in the NBA for a little bit longer, but there you go. And we'll use that cool factor to next talk about everyone's favorite prospect, America's basketball sweetheart, LaMelo ball and the Charlotte Hornet. <laughs> I think our, our topic before the mic started rolling was the fact that we all, I think are in agreement that Michael Jordan may have drafted LaMelo just so he could finally get that one-on-one game with LeVar ball that we all wanted. So what do you guys make of this trade? Or sorry, this pick. Uh, that this is going to be a pay-per-view uh, game to twenty-one that people are going to buy because it's going to be the most ridiculous thing on earth. Now, um, I, I I think they you know when all said and done, I think they actually made a really good choice because they needed the point guard position. Like we're saying, uh, Terry Rozier just wasn't doing it for them like the way they expected it. Um, they don't have. Kimba anymore. Clearly he that he was the piece to go to the Celtics and clearly Celtics always win their trades and all that craziness. But I think he'd be a good piece to build after because from what I've seen, I mean, he's not the best player in the world, but he seems to have 
the ability to he looks like he has a pretty high ceiling. And according to Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof. So uh, we'll keep on <laughs> we'll keep on see what he can do with uh, Lamelo. But I, I think it's good to start that rebuild process because I don't think they ever want to really admit it. But they're in rebuild, and I think they're finally just kind of like, all right, cool. Let's start with a make this young player a cornerstone to see what happens. I feel like he's still overrated. I I, I know that I shouldn't be so hard on any kid coming into the league, but I just feel like, I don't know, like watching the, watching the draft, right. And like seeing the highlights and, and hearing the guys talk about him, I still look at him and like, okay, you're, you know, six, 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 seven, probably like 185, 190. You're obviously going to come into the league you already have the attitude, right? People already know you're, you think you're the shit. You're kind of going to have like a giant target on your back. I think he's going to get pushed around quite a bit in the league. And I also think that his jump shot with that kind of, I don't know, like that kind of funky low hanging fruit, (laughs) you know, I think there's going to, I think it's going to be problematic for him (laughs) until, until he learns to play against, you know, NBA caliber players, right? Like it's, it sounds, it sounds, you know, kind of harsh to say that, but like every, every time you look at highlight reels of LaMelo, he's incredibly talented. He's an amazing basketball player and he's incredibly entertaining as a basketball player. But I don't think I've ever seen him play against people that were at his level of skill or higher. Thank you. And I think the other part of that yeah. is he's always played with really great people up until, you know, like maybe this last year, right? I forget who, but didn't he play with yeah. somebody else in this draft in high school along with the two other ball brothers? Um, I don't know about that. It was one of I know he Yeah, they showed a picture mm-hmm. on ESPN and I cannot remember who it was. There it was uh, I think it's on Yeka. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that might be. I know he played against RJ Barrett in a game as well, and he held his own, but RJ was still considered the better prospect coming out of that game. Yeah, so I just I just don't know if he's sense. been surrounded by tough enough competition, you know, and I think that's that's also my personal belief in regards to all of the ball family, big baller brand type stuff. It's awesome to see somebody build their family up like that, have amazing talent. It's awesome to see them build their own brand. You know, it's unfortunate that it didn't work out the way they intended to have them all playing for the Lakers, but it really is impressive to see what LeVar Ball has essentially, you know, put together over the years. And I'm not wishing, you know, bad things on on any of them. I, I think they they planted the seeds that will shift an entire generation of talented kids coming into, you know, the NBA with their own logos, their own brands, their own shoes ready to go before Nike or Adidas even cuts them a check. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Mike, was it you that mentioned he had just signed that deal with Puma? Yeah, yeah. So I, it's going to be interesting because Puma is kind of slowly making inroads into being another player at the basketball table. 
to your point about him playing up to the level of competition or lack thereof, I completely agree with everything you said, Nick. And one other thing, what team has he made better? And maybe this is me being a basketball purist and maybe this is me yelling at the clouds because I'm an old man, but I want my point guard to have a visible impact on the team. And I believe the team that he was playing for in the Australian league, the Illawarra Hawks were three and six last year. And I think the couple of games that he played, he led them to the same record. And I don't know much about the Australian basketball league. Maybe there's just a lot of hoopers there and I just have to get familiar with it. But if he's unable to bring a team to 500 in a JV league, I do have questions about him. I have questions about his long-term success. I also have questions about his fragility because all these guys that we're talking about have been pampered to some level. The Ball brothers, for better or for worse, have been pampered to such a level that they are prone for targeting. And I do think the fact that his brother going through what he went through may help LaMelo kind of navigate those waters a bit trickier if LaMelo was the oldest. But yeah, I'm not holding out hope for him. I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves, if there's anybody that's looking to be a bust, it might be the two prospects we just discussed in Edwards and Ball. But I don't want them to be that. As we are all apparent, uh, as we're all aware, rather, we're all about the players getting their checks and making sure that they can eat right. And as great of a passer as LaMelo and Lonzo have been, probably the greatest genetic gift that the Ball family has is LeVar's cult of personality and his just sheer determination to make sure his boys get recognized. So I will always applaud a dad like that. So good on you, LeVar. You fulfilled your prophecy. Now we just need to get LiAngelo back on the league somehow. Yeah, well, he's with the uh, Oklahoma Blue right now, so maybe he'll uh, find a spot in after, well, I don't know what we call it, Summer League, Winter League, League, whatever they want to call it. Yep. G- well, he's in a G League now, but I don't know if they're going to have a uh, Ooh. like a summer-type league this year. Or are they going to go straight to training camp and, hey, maybe you make it from the roster there, but I don't know how they're going to do that this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just to circle back to to, you know, what Rohit said to, to kind of start this conversation about the about ball going to the Hornets. I really am just waiting for the, the face off between LeVar and, and Michael, right? If anything, we can look back at the last dance and realize that Michael is still 1000%, you know, competitive and wants to be the best at everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, they literally took LaMelo because Michael just wants to be able to play LeVar <laughs> one-on-one just because he wants to win that badly. Uh, there's a popular theory that Michael Jordan drafts players purely in the fact that he drafts players he knows he can beat in his current day state. And while that's humorous for Michael, I'm sure the entire Charlotte Hornets <laughs> fan base doesn't care much for that ideology if that is in fact true and will never really prove that but. I don't know. Dude, so what do you no, guys make of... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Just what I was going to say, it wouldn't surprise me because of LeVar's personality. He's how boisterous and like how very competitive he is. It wouldn't surprise me that if him and MJ are actually like really good friends, no, like they would become good friends during this time period because that's the kind of people Michael Jordan would hang out with. Let's, if you look at the last dance, the people he hung out with were just as rowdy, like gamblers, whatever boys, what they were, that was, that was his people. And it would not surprise me. They ended up actually getting along. I'm just waiting for the big baller brand Jordan collab. Then if that's what we're getting out of this partnership. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh no, don't do it. No, no, I've spoken it into existence. So clearly it's going to happen. <laughs> Apologies for that. Are there any other players you guys want to talk about or should we just pivot to the league in terms of what we want to kind of see now that we're slowly understanding things? And let's work with the caveat that maybe James Harden does end up in Brooklyn. Are they a top four team in the East right now, let alone a top four team in the entire NBA? He's not going to Brooklyn. He's going to Philly, looks like. I have a strong... Yeah, I know. I kind of just threw that one out there. Um, Because of the Al Horford trade, they're clearing out some cap room. Um, you know, Daryl Morey already has sent Meek Mill out there to recruit, uh, recruit James Harden. He's already, that's one of the two places he wants to go. They keep saying Brooklyn solely, but it's not just Brooklyn. It's also Philly. He's looking at, and with Daryl Morey who built around him, who he trusts, it's a, it's a good possibility to end up there, especially if they can pay him. I guess this Houston's not going to send out Scarface or Bundy, (laughs) Mike. No, no, I guess they're like, we don't have a, you know, Tillman Fertitta doesn't like spending money. Uh, He's like, "Mm -mm, no, that costs too much. (laughs) No, he's going to be an interesting guy to watch because does he want to play basketball again or does he want to play that analytical ball, which has given him probably three of the best regular seasons any of us can ever think of. But it Mm -hmm. seems to come crashing down in the postseason. It does because everyone like. Because of the usage, like he's used like what one of the top five usage rates of the league, maybe number one. Mm -hmm. If he went to Philly, you have two guys that can't stay healthy, which is not going to help his case. But in the prime situation, he could stay healthy that you would have a really dynamic center in Joel Embiid who can also take the ball outside, which he that would be just, uh, you know, a field day for him because he had, uh, you know, one center who can he can lob it to you all the time. Like, oh, okay, cool. But now you're going to have one who can do inside and outside. And you also have a point guard who is going to pass first, which he loves that because that means he'll have the ball more. So he can go back to the shooting guard position and use uh, Ben Simmons as a decoy typically because he's never going to shoot a three and make it. So do you think they'll keep Simmons? Because I keep wondering if I'm Houston, you're going to have to give me one of those two players. And I would, in fact, probably... We would, how would Sim- I just don't see if Simmons would help us. Uh, personally, this, as a Rockets fan, yeah. it was like, I'd rather not have either one of them because they're so injury prone. I'd rather make it like a three-team trade or something. Like, let's get somebody else involved so we can take their star player and maybe give them some, like, you know, cash or, you know, you know, somehow get a pick from somebody. Like, I think we just took uh, Detroit's first round pick for next year or something like that. We took somebody's pick a few minutes ago when, with this Trevor Reza trade, um, might've been Portland because I think that was part of the Robert Covington deal. Yeah. But we just, we just sent a reason somewhere else a second ago. And I just, now I can't figure out where the mess we sent them. Let me, uh, while you do that in like five seconds. Yeah. While you're glamping on that, I will say this. Danny Green is a good pickup for them because if you are anticipating James Harden, Harden loves his shooters and Danny Green's a shooter. Now, Laker fans Mm -hmm. may disagree with me for a couple of the games in the finals, but Danny Green is a fifth, if not sixth option on the team. So really can't hold him accountable for, let's say, third option productivity. 
I'm interested to see yeah. how Doc Rivers handles that because I don't think there's a coach that's better suited to massage that group of egos. And he's truly going to earn his money because I don't think of Doc Rivers as a tactician in terms of the X's and O's, but he's probably as good at man management as anybody we can see in the league. So he's got his work cut out for him. But I think this is the type of situation where he feels he's going to thrive in because you've got these three players that have stigmas, whether it's the healing or lack thereof for Embiid and Simmons and James Harden's constant collapse. But do you figure out where Ariza ended up, Mike? Yep, Detroit. So he went to Detroit and Houston got a future first round pick and a 2021 second round pick that actually came from the Lakers. Mm. Um, so there's, they got two picks because they didn't have anything this year. Um, and we're gonna we're not going to have any picks after... I think 2022 we are is our last set of picks possibly. I think between 2023 and 2025 we've given all our picks to uh, Oklahoma when we got Russell Westbrook, if I'm not mistaken. So we got fleeced out of everything, and it didn't even work. Hold your head up high, Mike. I think the 20 <laughs> we got Danny after going to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I don't know. It, I can't I can't fathom giving up Ben Simmons. I, I, out of out of all the players in conversation or either existing on the Sixers or anybody that you could even like in some sort of weird three-way deal of some kind. To me part of the beauty of the idea of that trade is basically having Embiid, Simmons and Harden you essentially have three, you know, like pillars of the game of basketball in, in various form, right. right? You have the the fast pace, yeah. you know, kind of hardened leading things. You have Simmons, who is obviously, you know, I, I would assume statistically too, the most consistent out of all three of those players in terms of, look, he's going to show up. He's going to give you 15 eight and eight every game. And then Embiid is kind of like a big man that kind of just, I don't know. I, I just, I don't see how they, how they let go of Ben Simmons out of, out of all that. But I mean, it, I, the Horford thing makes sense. Horford seems super out of place alongside of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid anyway. I just don't, I mean, I don't know if the, 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 the Rockets, can't there's nobody that like you can't make that trade without it being Ben Simmons, right? But I, that just doesn't make sense That's, to me. Like I would not yeah. trade Ben Simmons away. They're they're already saying that after this season, if they can't get a better result, that one of them's gone, and it makes more sense to get rid of Ben Simmons because he hasn't got you exactly the result you're looking for. You, you have a better ceiling and better chance to surround another great player with Embiid. I think that Harden is clearly like the superstar of the three, right? I don't think Embiid is a superstar quite yet. He could be at some point. I don't think Simmons is a superstar ever, but, but Simmons is almost like a Scottie Pippen, right? He's just, he's just going to be there for the team and you're not going to build the team around him. But if you bring in a superstar, maybe it is Harden then you pretty you have a pretty competitive team in my opinion but i just don't see how you you know without giving up a ridiculous amount of either picks or something how you keep simmons and embiid and bring harden into the mix 
See, I think Simmons's destiny, if everything goes well, is the fact that he would be the perfect point guard for a Mike D'Antoni system because he is all about that run and gun. He plays tremendous D. Yeah, he can't shoot, but if you surround him around shooters, I think that's where you unlock that upper level of his playing capabilities. To your point about if you have to pick between Embiid or Simmons, it's going to be Embiid because of the fact that he plays to that crowd. For whatever reason, that crowd has embraced Embiid in a way they haven't with Simmons. And maybe it's that inability or lack of effort to wanting to shoot. Embiid has given off the sense that he is a gamer. He's willing to play through whatever. And Simmons doesn't want to do that with his shooting. Like if I'm Ben Simmons, shoot three threes a game. It doesn't matter if they go in or they don't because you're already expecting them not to go in. But if you hit a couple in a row, you get that confidence and then maybe you become more dangerous as a player. With Harden possibly ending up in either New York or sorry, in, well, Brooklyn or Philadelphia, I think wherever he goes, we're going to see probably the most unstoppable pick and roll in the league today. So if he's in Brooklyn and he's got KD as his role man, that's something in terms of a pick and roll. But conversely, if he goes to Philly and they're somehow able to keep both Simmons and Embiid, then you've got probably the most dangerous pick and roll that I can ever think of because now you have two guys that can roll to the basket. And with Simmons as well, he's a great passer. So you've unlocked that corner three where... What do you know? Danny Green is there or insert random shooter there because we know more is going to accumulate these shooters. So it makes sense. But yeah, it's it's not looking good for anybody that's purchased a Philadelphia 76ers Ben Simmons jersey. In my <laughs> mind. Hey, Nick, I got some good news for you. What's that? Uh, the, the Bucks trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich has fell through. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be hanging on to him. I didn't realize that I was going through these trades and but it's bad news for the Bucks because now they're like, crap, now Giannis has an out. Because apparently he was communicating with Bogdan to, to come to the, uh, you know, trying to convince him that, hey, this is a good trade, so on and so forth. So now the Bucks are frantically trying to figure out who they can put in that place to keep Giannis. Because Miami was always rumored to be really big after him, and him and Jimmy Butler would be just a nuisance, along with Bam on the Bayou. Yeah. So let's talk about Milwaukee in that sense, because are we right now, if I ask both of you, is he staying or is he going? What do you guys think? My mind says he should go, but the checkbook, they're going to open up for him and say he probably stays. I mean, that's such a hard question to even like, I would not even want to have to answer that, you know, Giannis as Giannis himself, right? Like, the problem with the problem with it is even if even if the bucks surround him with you know the best of the best of of who's in the league right assuming you're not going to get an AD LeBron you know Russell Westbrook type it's going to be really hard for him to kind of let me let me step this back. At some point, as as a entertainer, your thought and intention has to look at bettering yourself for the long haul, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean basketball. And I don't mean that he's like 
you know, not going to be playing. He's obviously going to be a great player for years to come. But playing in Milwaukee, he will be at a huge disadvantage if, you know, he really wants to make the most of his personality, his off-court dealings, his sneaker deal. All of those things are very, very limited being in Milwaukee. So in my opinion, if let's say, let's say the Knicks or the, you know, yeah, like obviously Brooklyn's got a lot going on already, but let's say the Knicks somehow were like going to go after Giannis. If I'm him, I, I, I I go to New York. I I love Milwaukee, the fans, but like, you know, it's kind of like Sacramento. Like I understand that, Hey, without, without our, you know, our years with, with C Webb and Mike Bibby and Jason Williams before that, you know, we never had a reason for people to come play here. Right. We had an old stadium. We had a lot of challenges with, you know, the Maloofs as owners, we had, you know, the league potentially, you know, the team potentially moving to Seattle, potentially moving to Vegas, potentially like we have an incredible fan base and it seems, and from the few friends that I have that are from Milwaukee that are Bucks fans, they have the same thing, but it's hard for me to not want to see Giannis go play for a top three market and really become like the next, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in terms of statistics and overall, you know, fame. So I would say he, he leaves if, if the, if a huge market comes, you know, as an opportunity, but I don't see him leaving if it's not like it's, it's probably New York, LA, you know, maybe Houston, but with as chaotic as it's been down there, no offense, Mike, I, I don't, I don't see him, you know, like it's, it, it'd be tough to see him actually doing that. You know, you could see maybe Chicago because he's close there already. And Chicago obviously has a huge basketball, you know, marketability to it, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that was really long winded, but I, I just I think there's so many variables that it'd be hard to say just one way or the other without kind of throwing out some of those like conditional things. I think it's finals or bust for him this year. He has to get there, and if he can't get there, I start to wonder how did we anoint him? And I don't want to come across as a hater or Skip Bayless, but he's <laughs> a great player. But he is also similar to what we were kind of saying about Ben Simmons. He seems to be a number two guy that's just trapped in this number one role. And he has this ability to take your breath away because he truly is an embodiment of all five positions in one. But he at least makes an effort to try to develop that outside shot. It's not working as of right now, but maybe it will. The big market thing to me is frustrating because when I do see the teams that are interested in Giannis, it is Miami, it's Toronto, and it's Golden State. Now, I would say this, of the modern NBA, those are three of the bigger markets because of recent history in terms of who those teams have been able to acquire, who those teams have been able to develop. It almost seems perfect to me that he ends up in Toronto because he gets to do the immigrant thing again. He could be the first superstar that's an immigrant in two countries. And they've got that supporting cast there. 
And he just needs to be able to play basketball and not get caught up in that thing. And what is important to me as a Giannis appreciator is the fact that he has never really played with a point guard that's truly a pass for pass first point guard. And I was hoping that Chris Paul would have ended up in Milwaukee because I think he would have made a lot of his life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And maybe Kyle Lowry's still in Toronto in my pipe dream situation here because I think Giannis needs a point guard. And Wherever he goes, if it's a big market, great. If it's a smaller market, I'm okay with that. Just promise me he gets to play with a point guard that does some of the heavy lifting for him because I don't know if he's built for that. Yeah, and I don't know if Drew Holiday was the answer. I mean, nothing against Drew Holiday, but I don't think that was the answer. He's a great player, but like you said, a a Chris Paul, um, you know, someone of that caliber to take some of the load off of him because, yeah, he has good players around him, but – if he's down, there's nothing. They're just sitting ducks. So I think I think Drew Holiday is – I mean, obviously he's not Chris Paul in terms of a, a point guard, right? But he's definitely mm-hmm. someone that I could see – who's in Milwaukee? Eric Bledsoe? No, Bledsoe went, but Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton is still yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Middleton, Drew Holiday. Uh, who else? Who, oh, who's their shooter? I can't the remember. Lopez brothers are still there. The I think you've got Dante Vincenzo. So they're still kind of missing that traditional yeah. pass for point guard. But mm-hmm. Holiday is going to get him some breathing room because he's going to take on the other team's best yep. defender now. And I think Giannis is at his most dangerous when he gets to play that free safety role on defense where he can just pick passing lanes and then just counterattack with the best of them. Yeah, I... You're probably right, though. Like he has to, he has to at least get to the finals, right? Or there has to be so much potential, and you know, some other anomaly that comes along that throws things off for them to to say, okay, we're going to do this again, and him want to stick around, right? Mm-hmm. But. I mean, not only that, this is this past year was his best opportunity at the final. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. The road yep. was open in a way that we've never seen it open for, let's say, any player other than an early LeBron James in his Cleveland tenure, right? Brooklyn was still literally a year away because their players weren't there. Toronto lost the reason why Milwaukee didn't win the title last year, let's say, with Kawhi joining for greener pastures. And everybody else just looked a step behind them. And maybe this is indicative of their head coach because Coach Bud is a great coach, but maybe he's the James Harden of coaches in the sense that he thrives in the regular season. But if you are playing against him night after night, then maybe you're able to pick up on some of his nuances and maybe he's not as dominant and his squad is not as dominant. Yeah, that's a – I mean, we saw that when the Miami Heat played them in the uh, the playoffs. They figured exactly. out a way to stifle – Giannis and make the other guys have to do something and the other guys couldn't come up with the plan. So you can clearly see you're right on the money there, Roy. Is yeah, he just he could be figured out in seven games or four games, whatever maybe. Yeah, I don't know. So one of the things, um kind of kind of switching it up, one of the things that I thought was really interesting that we at least need to mention, um, because I, I I don't really want to talk about the Knicks too much because it's just too easy to make fun of the Knicks. But <laughs> uh, Obi Toppin, 
his dad mm-hmm. actually played on the and one mixtape tour uh back in the day and his nick oh, really? yeah i think his nickname was like the dunker delights or duncan delights or something like that um uh-huh. That's when you sent that to us. I was like, "What are you and talking about?" <laughs> See, I, I was like, I, I, "What? That's crazy!" Like we were just talking about the the and one stuff on the last episode, <laughs> and here here it's like, you know, son of a, of a street baller, and yeah, it was it was it was a cool uh, cool full, full circle moment. But um, well, I guess I should thank the Knicks for for you know for taking Toppin though. So I mean, the the Kings definitely don't get Halliburton without them passing because that was basically where he was almost guaranteed <laughs> to go before so well no I, I, you know what i'm kind of happy for the knicks they need this moment of happiness and i know we've got a pretty strong new york presence in our discord so there's a shameless plug for the discord he is probably as close to amari stoudemire as the knicks have seen since getting amari stoudemire <laughs> I'm interested to see how he meshes with RJ Barrett because there's a possibility of a nice inside-outside game. The guy is a hustler. He's going to put his body out in the line, and I think all else fails. He's going to endear himself to that New York crowd because they value hustle more than they do anything else. And I, too, am shocked that New York didn't take a point guard because that city is known for taking on point guards or making point guards. But maybe Sacramento's gain is not New York's loss because Obi Toppin the younger of the Duncan delight and maybe the Knicks win 25 games. I'll say it. Dang. You get on a whole 25. Never mind. I'm sorry. I took that back. There's only 72 games played this year. Uh, We'll go ahead and and go with 12 games. Sorry. Hey, on the bright side, you'll be in the lottery next year. That 2021 draft is nice. Just ask Houston, right? Uh, uh, it's so sad it's so sad i'm just gonna have to live with these for next year unless some miraculous thing happens where uh we come out of the bloodbath of the west but i think we're gonna be the stepping stones of the west no 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 just look at it this way bill o'brien's gone it's there's a fumigation process that's currently in place for the great sick he might be coaching the rockets now who knows the way everything's going on i think he might be the gym yeah, if he tells point. fertita i can do this for less than 100k a year you know that's gonna happen <laughs> he'll do it he'll, he'll do it immediately <laughs> oh all right so well, any uh any parting thoughts on on the dra- draft this year um overall i it definitely didn't it paled in comparison to last year um i'm just waiting now i guess for the next few days to come up with all of these sneaker endorsements that are going to start happening so yeah i mean it was eh for me but i'm waiting for the the, the shoe side of it all Ooh, seth curry to the to the sixers wait they moved him wow Josh, wow, so Rich, Josh Richardson and the 36 pick for Seth Curry. Hmm. So they get rid of JJ Redick from the uh, Sixers? No, he's, he's still there, right? No, no. Redick's in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, 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 he's in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah he is in New Orleans. No, but this right. is interesting because I think Doc Rivers is his father in law. So yeah. Doc yeah. Rivers mm-hmm. is the coach members of his family, extended in this case. But yeah, maybe he, they are hmm. kind of stockpiling a secondary unit that's going to be prolific from three. So maybe they are onto you, Mike, and they're saying we're bringing Harden along. So let's just get him shooters alongside. And- I'm telling you, man. I will focus on this Brooklyn thing. 
James Wiseman, rookie of the year, unless something catastrophic happens, just because I think that situation's really nice for him. Uh, Obi Toppin is going to turn some heads, hopefully in the right way. Mellow Ball, don't get murdered. That's all I ask you. Please don't find your Patrick Beverly who's going to harass you. I mean, that's that's like I'm actually looking forward to someone like Patrick Beverly playing against Lamelo Ball than I more so than I am whatever Lamelo Ball is going to do. Right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) poor guy. It's just the thing. Remember when uh, Lonzo was getting drafted and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are literally having this conversation on Twitter saying, "I can't wait for him to come to Philly. I'm going to dunk on him. I'm going to make his daddy cry." Like we're going to see that times 10 because LaMelo is more of a showman than Lonzo was. And he truly is his father's son when he plays to the crowd and he has that heelish wrestling persona because that's the best way Mm -hmm. I can describe the balls in that sense. But who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. So uh, I think my last thought on the draft is we didn't talk about Patrick Williams, but I actually think that he's going to be an incredible player. I don't know if he's he's going to be a, an incredible player in Chicago. Obviously, Chicago struggled to keep the right people around for a while, but um, I would mm-hmm. he's kind of just the guy that I was like, yeah, this is somebody I'm going to pay attention to. So now they've got a good backbone with him and Wendell Carter Jr. and Laurie Markkinen, so they're going to be a squad to watch. I there's a good base there, yep. Yep. and Billy Donovan can coach young talent up. So we'll see. I'm cautiously optimistic for my brother, who's a big Bulls fan. <laughs> right on. Well, let us know what you think of the draft. Let us know who your team is, who they picked up, what your wins were, what your losses were, who you think came out on top, and uh, if you have any predictions into the whole James Harden. Russell Westbrook fiasco that's going on right now. Um, leave us a comment and we will uh, incorporate it into an upcoming episode. <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening, spending some time with us and uh, give us a follow at sneaker history on all the platforms. You can follow myself at Nick Engvall, N I C K E N G V A L L on all the platforms and guys let them know how they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789, YouTube at Mike Guillory. And I know, you know, Robbie's not here with us today, but I know that he would have a sentiment for us, and that's going to be Lakers back-to-back. So I'm just going to say it because he's not here. I'm sure he's going to tweet about it later. Like lethal weapon. (laughs) Now, uh, and follow Robbie at (laughs) R-A-H-E-E-702 on Instagram and – I'm Rowett. My Instagram is at rrowettm13 and Twitter, Roheasy. Yeah. Thank you guys, as always, for engaging in conversation with us. That's one of my favorite things is when we get those new sneaker history posts on Instagram and the comments are really insightful. So please continue that as well. Definitely. And we appreciate all of you and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace. See you. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. First, I wanted to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. It really means a lot that you would spend a part of your day rocking with us. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a few favors. If you're looking for more content from the Sneaker History crew, head over to patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Our Patreon members get access to exclusive episodes of the podcast, our latest merch, giveaways, and much more. You can become a member for as little as five bucks a month, and it really goes a long way supporting the crew. 
Next, make sure you're signed up for our email newsletter. We share updates about the footwear business, some of our favorite finds and deals, and other sneaker-related news a couple times per week. I like to think of it as a one-stop shop for the sneaker game, or at least a work-in-progress one-stop shop for the sneaker game, if you know what I mean. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. Whether online or in person, social distancing in effect, of course, it helps make the sneaker community a better place, and you never know what conversation and opportunity might come from it. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.